Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for being here today and welcome to Means of Creation, a weekly show where we are exploring the future of work and new ways that people are making an income online. I'm your host, Lee Jin, along with my co-host, Nathan Bechez. And today we're joined by a very special guest, Ayla, who is an OnlyFans creator and a hugely successful one at that. Her earnings put her at the top 0.08% of all creators on the platform. And for those of you who've been living under a rock and don't know what OnlyFans is, it's a platform that is basically revolutionizing sex work and allowing creators to sell subscriptions for premium content, as well as earn tips from their fans and charge for pay-per-view messages. The website is mainly used for adult content, but it also has an emerging market with chefs, fitness creators, musicians, and other sorts of creators. In past months, there's been some well-known celebrities and influencers who've joined the platform, including Cardi B and Bella Thorne. And per recent media reports, OnlyFans, which was just started four years ago, now has about 30 million registered users and 450,000 content creators. Its growth has only accelerated during the pandemic. Earlier this summer, the company said that it was seeing 75% month-on-month growth since March. And turning our attention to Ayla, She started creating content on OnlyFans earlier this year, but has been involved with various forms of sex work for about eight years. She also runs a private telegram group for OnlyFans girls and was previously a data analyst for a crypto startup. I'm so excited to be having this conversation with her because we're really interested on the show in all forms of digital entrepreneurship. And while we typically scope our conversations to quote unquote mainstream creators, for instance, people on TikTok or writers on Substack, OnlyFans is definitely growing in its relevancy to our culture and becoming more mainstream. Yet I think there's a lot of lack of deep understanding of what the platform entails, who the creators are and who the customers are. And so we're really excited to explore all of the learnings from your experiences being a creator on the platform and also think through what are the learnings for founders who are building for creators in general and what it's like to be a creator on the internet across different verticals. And so without further ado, Ayla, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited. Amazing. Yes, it's such a pleasure to have you. I think it would be really helpful for everyone here who maybe isn't as familiar with who you are to start with your backstory and just like what led you to becoming a creator on OnlyFans this year and also what you were doing before. Sure. Well, what led me is I, the pandemic was the biggest impetus before this. I was doing in-person sex work. I was escorting and the pandemic obviously makes that a little bit more difficult. So as that happened, I was slowly pivoting to like, what, what else can I do? And uh, my friends had gotten into OnlyFans. I've been a cam girl. I've been in sex work since I was 20. I was have to check. I can't remember. I've done camming for a while and then I stopped and I did the crypto thing. And then I went back to sex work because sex work just is better for money if you like money. So I already have had like a lot of experience building an online following and doing marketing through the cam girl world. And so when I switched to OnlyFans, this was actually much more suited for me because it's less live and my strengths tend to be more marketing and less live sexy performance. So it really suited me and I immediately started doing very well. Rewinding all the way back, um, I think you have a really interesting like sort of early life story. And I was wondering if you would be willing to share some of that too. Yeah, I was homeschooled for K through 12, all of it in a fundamentalist evangelical semi-cult in Idaho. Um, My dad's a professional evangelical 
debater minister <laughs> apologist is the term who has like a website and radio show and writes books and so my life was grown up in like an extraordinarily sheltered environment I didn't know anybody else who wasn't Christian in a similar way that I was and our media was filtered like we're not allowed to watch most movies uh, we had a thing installed on the television that would like automatically delete scenes that had any sort of sexual content. So for example, I did watch the Titanic um, and I had no idea that the two main characters were actually romantically involved. So that, like my, oh my, my whole life was censored to that degree. And then I got out of it when I was, well, I left, lost my faith right before I turned 19. Got it. That's so interesting. How do you think those childhood experiences informed the work that you do now? Or do you think that there was a contribution of your early experiences to your decision to enter sex work? Um, Yes, a lot of people view it as like sort of a rebellion thing, which is like a plausible like yes to make because of like, obviously, it seems like it but I, I legitimately don't think it was really a rebellion thing. I think that I was just like really disconnected from secular society. So I'd been raised with a whole world, like I knew what like morality was and the way physics worked under the realm of God and like all of these norms for behavior and like what my gender was, what I was supposed to do with my life, um, like which is be a stay at home wife who, you know, obeys her husband. Um, and so when I left the faith and left that world, I just was like, okay, all of this is bunk. So I had to start from scratch with the secular world, which I think led to me like sort of being a little bit more innovative in, on accident because like I wasn't coming in with a lot of things that people are raised with. So that definitely influenced my sex work. I had to like learn how to be sexy from scratch because I had very little experience with watching women seduce men. I just didn't really know what that looked like. I was just, I was just like this blob that happened to be in a female body that was like trying to be entertaining. Um, so <laughs> So I had to go kind of go from scratch and also was like much more likely to, I think, take risks because I hadn't been exposed to sort of like the social backlash that can happen if you step outside of the mold when people go to high school, which is what I've heard tends to happen. There's like sort of this like social molding into like what you're allowed to do. And I didn't have this. I was like, fuck it. Like we'll do anything that seems good. There's like, there, I think the boundaries were very different for me. So that helps, helps me a lot. Yeah, I feel like the backlash is such a like sad fact of life almost of like doing the kind of work you do where it's like even if someone disagrees with it they don't have to be an asshole about it and a lot of people choose to really be assholes, you know? And like I'm I'm curious how do you deal with that emotionally? How do platforms make it easier to deal with it? Like what all comes with that? Yeah, so for me personally, again, a little bit of an outlier. I was raised with a very public father who was like relatively famous in the community and we were very hated. Um, we got death threats, like the FBI got involved, like my dad's been swatted before. Like it was just like continually like an awareness that everybody will hate you. And so just like that was in the water for me growing up and that became like fine. It was like, it's, it's this is just what life is, like where everybody hates you. Um, and so I think that like really gave me a little bit more courage to do something like sex work because it's like, well, so what if everybody hates me? Like that's just, <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's nothing new. Um, so that helped a lot. Platforms, like in general, I think this is part of the popularity of OnlyFans is the, the secrecy to some extent. Like it's a little bit more paywalled than a lot of other stuff. So like right now, the best analog to OnlyFans is many vids and like clip sites and then also campsites. So these are like probably on the like two and then OnlyFans is right in the middle. 
And both of these are not very good at maintaining like the secret, the privacy of the individual just by nature of it. Like you have to like show your face if people want to buy the clips. But with OnlyFans, you can have like a very slow like opening up and showing your face. Um, I mean, obviously you can do it with the other two as well, but it's like much more natural with the OnlyFans platform. Yeah. And I think by virtue of being paywalled and subscription based, it's not clear to people from the outside what is even included in the subscription. Like there's a lot of creators signing up to the platform saying, you know, I'm not going to post any nudity. This is just going to be, I don't know, food photos or something. And as an outsider, you're not really sure like whether they're telling the truth or what they're actually using the platform to sell. Mm -hmm. So I think in that way, it is a little bit more obscured. But going back to what Nathan had been mentioning, I think it's so interesting how this line of work is so controversial in the first place. Like there's a level of judgment and emotionality surrounding what you do that doesn't apply to other types of work. Like when you say you're a truck driver or you're a teacher or, you know, whatever, you don't expect people to have such strong feelings about it. And yet, when it comes to sex work, everyone starts the conversation with like, well, why? Like what, you know, there's, there's a lot of emotion associated with it. And I'm curious, given that you've been in the industry for about eight years now, have you seen any shift in public attitudes towards the type of work that you do, especially now that OnlyFans is sort of more relevant in the public consciousness? Is there growing normalization and acceptance of this type of work? Um, to some degree, and I think it's like a little bit more nuanced than just like acceptance versus non-acceptance. I think there's like a really inter- like important distinction between like seduction and actual penetration. I think that we have cultural acceptance growing for the seduction sentence, which is like what I consider the category of like basically women flaunting sexual power, like women like getting naked and being like, or very close to naked and being like, look at me, I'm like so sexually attractive, I will like make you come so hard your brains fall out like I'm you know very powerful and this like this like amplifies the amount that that she is desired which like operates in contrast to the amount of like power she has in giving out what what those things what like her sex is <laughs> like you, a lot of the women who um, are very publicly sexual tend to be monogamous and have one partner um, and so this is like by extension amplifying the value of her monogamous partner so there's like a really important distinction to be made just because you're amplifying your sexuality does not mean that you are distributing your sexuality. Uh, and so I think with OnlyFans, largely as the way it's perceived in the public eye falls into the former category where people are amplifying their sexuality without actually giving it out. And this triggers like a couple of people, like this triggers the right in a lot of ways because they, they don't view that distinction. They view this as like basically equivalent to sleeping with these men. And it triggers like other people, like, like for example, a lot of men who are like really upset with like women flaunting sexual power over them, which I empathize with. Like I'm not judging men for having this reaction. It makes sense. Um, but basically this is where like these two sides tend to be where the hate comes from. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like that separation of sexual promiscuity versus performative sexuality is really interesting. I think for probably all of human history, it's been frowned upon for women to be sexually promiscuous, but the lines around performative sexuality and how overt one can be, that has definitely moved over time to where now, you know, it's acceptable to do the WAP dance on TikTok. And, you know, in Victorian England, it wasn't okay to even show your ankles. So it's, it's interesting that, you know, the views towards sexual promiscuity seem, and actually the act of sex with different people, it seems to be just as strict as ever. 
but performative sexuality is now more okay than ever before. Yeah, I suspect it's because like some parts of culture are picking up that this doesn't actually translate to promiscuity. And the parts that are realizing this are the parts that are like starting to accept it. Like, I think this is why we're seeing celebrities join OnlyFans. Like I, I'm subscribed to, what, what's her face? Who? Bella Thorne. Um, yeah, <laughs> I subscribed to Bella Thorne. Um, and she's very performatively sexual, but like does not give anything away inside. And that seems like very classic to me. Yeah, that makes sense. I'd love for you to just sort of lay out for the listeners, what are all the different ways that women can actually earn income on OnlyFans? Like what are all of the different things that they can sell? And following from that, what are some of the business strategies that you see women use to approach all of the different ways that they can monetize? Yeah. So there's two primary ways you can operate on OnlyFans. Some, most girls choose paid, some girls choose free and a significant minority choose both. Um, So you can have a maximum of two accounts on OnlyFans one of them you charge a subscription for, the paid one. So in order to access the pay, the page, you have to pay a certain monthly fee, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, the free one, you don't have to pay a monthly fee. So most girls, the traditional business model so far is that girls will use their free one to accumulate subscribers and use that to, as a funnel into their paid. And um, these are basically as a, a standing ad. Um, some girls don't do this. So, so on the free page, you can make money through one, sending DMs to people which are locked and two, making posts on your page, which are locked. So you can open up either of these and earn money, but not through subscriptions. On the paid, you can send DMs that are locked and you have to pay for it, but you cannot post anything to the feed that is locked because the feed itself is fully unlocked with the subscription. Um, so this is this, this combination of like paid DMs, free DMs, paid posts and subscription price. And there's also tips, which are a different thing, but there's like lots of different combinations of those. Most girls will tend to have subscription price. I think out of girls I've surveyed, girls make on average 64% of their income through subscriptions and the rest through paid DMs or tips. That's fascinating. Cause as like someone who runs a sub stack, it feels like the exact same mechanics where you have free stuff and paid stuff, but the mechanics for actually getting the paid stuff out is like so much more limited and less sophisticated. Like there's just the subscription element. And so if on OnlyFans, that's only like 64% of people's revenue on average, then it feels like Substack and maybe other platforms like Twitch, or I don't know what other platforms may want to learn from OnlyFans, but have a, have a lot to learn. I'm curious, like the things on top of a subscription, how does that work? Like, is it a form of like price discrimination where people who are willing to pay more, you can like basically charge more from those people? Like what's the strategy there? So I think it's possible to do that sort of thing. I think it's like not intuitive. You would have to like force the rules over to do this. Mainly when you want to send, let's say a mass DM on my paid account, which is something I did last night. Let's take that for example. Um, so last night I filmed the porno and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna send it out. And I advertised it for a couple of days. And then finally at a predetermined time, cause I let everybody know, I sent it out at 7 PM. And this is a private DM that arrived in the inboxes of everybody who subscribes to me. I did a discount. So for the first 10 people who bought, it was $40. Um, and then after that, I unsent it, which you can do manually, and you resend it again at a higher price. And I did another 20 purchases of that, and then I resend it again at the final price. So this is like exciting <laughs> launch, if you will. And I don't have control really over who I send that DM to. There are some groups you can send it to people who have resub turned on. You can you can create manually a group of people and then send it to them or exclude them from the group. So in this way, you can manually create like a higher earner. Like I can identify who pays me more and put them into a group and then send them a higher priced one. But I have so many subscribers at this point that this is like not very feasible, especially with the high churn. So 
uh, you could hypothetically do this, but this is not really like you, you can't like target, but you can like offer, you know, tiers, which is always a good thing to do. And the people who are going to be higher payers will buy everything you sell. It's a really interesting way to price discriminate the sort of unsending and resending at a different price mechanism. It sort of rewards, I guess, it rewards your most enthusiastic fans who are purchasing at the very beginning and sort of allowing them to get it for the lowest possible price, right? The other thing that I've also heard about OnlyFans is that there's relatively high churn on the platform or I guess low retention of subscribers on a monthly basis. I, I watched an uh, interview with you where you had mentioned that typically on the platform, people are seeing like 50% resubscription rates. Mm -hmm. So basically in month two, 50% of the people are still subscribing. Compared to other creator platforms that are subscription-based, that is pretty high. I'm curious on your hypotheses as to why it is as high as it is and what the implications are for creators and OnlyFans when it comes to growing their business, given that you basically have to like continue filling the top of the funnel in order to continue growing your earnings. Yeah. So, I mean, one, this places a really high pressure on girls to continually advertise. Like you can't just, you know, get some subscribers and then coast for a few months. Right. Um, like as soon as you climb, you're going to fall, which is why my, I was, I was earning a lot more money um, like two months ago. And then I um, moved and did a bunch of stuff. So my income plummeted and that is because of the churn. Like I, I can't, I can't rest, but I think the churn is pretty high because men are horny. It's like the horny men phenomenon. So I think there's like a, a meaningful subset of men that never ever intend to subscribe twice. They pay, they view subscriptions as a one-time fee to look at everything on a girl's feed because you can see the entire archives. So you just pay, you unlock everything she's ever posted, all these past months of subscriptions, you get to maybe like screenshot and jack off to what you like. And then you just like end it because each further subscription, you're only getting like a smaller percentage of what you got to unlock with that archive. Um, so I think that like just there's a good chunk of men for whom they are never, ever planning to stay. And you can't convince them to stay because like there's no way you can offer them a full archive worth every month. Right. So that's yeah. It, it's sort of like there's a novelty effect and they just want to pay to unlock it, get the novelty of a new girl and then move on from there to another woman and, and subscribe to her for a month, et cetera, et cetera. Right. With a lot of consumer marketplaces, VCs or, or founders will evaluate it to the lens of monogamy versus non-monogamy, which is here like getting back to the origins of that term. If you're using a marketplace to find someone that might come and like clean your home and do your laundry or whatever, you probably would want the same person every time that you like grow and trust and they learn like how your stuff works. And so there's just natural incentives towards moving off the platform. Whereas in this case, OnlyFans probably, I'm guessing, has more power and maybe drives more distribution. Do they, do they do that? Is there like a OnlyFans discover zone or how does that, it seems like yeah. it would be a thing that maybe people would want given the way that you yes. said there's high which, which would be fall into the category of like what I think would be great to build for OnlyFans. OnlyFans does not do anything. It's crazy. And um, this is also probably why OnlyFans takes such a low fee. OnlyFans takes 20% of everything you earn, which is extremely low given most other sex work platforms. I remember you had mentioned that some platforms take up to 80% of the girls' earnings. Yeah, my very first cam site that I signed up for, I think it was like Flirt for Free. I tried it for a couple of weeks before I switched to MFC, but I think they took like like 85 or or maybe between 75 to 85% or something like that. It's yeah. insane. 
I'd, I'd love to discuss sort of the psychology of your subscribers and who these people are and why they're purchasing. So you had touched on sort of like the horny men phenomenon where they're sort of churning through all these subscriptions and moving on. But then I've also heard that there's this notion of like purchasing intimacy, that what they're really buying is like a digital girlfriend. They feel like they're developing a relationship with someone, they're DMing them, it's very private. I'm wondering if you could sort of unpack what the sort of various consumer psychologies are among your subscriber base. Right. Obviously, I think I'm like subject to some sort of like sampling bias because the kind of men I see are the kind of men I attract. But adjusting for that, uh, yeah, I think men generally want intimacy, especially the ones that pay a lot. Like, for example, in the cam girl world, whales would mean the, the men that would pay like 80% of a girl's income, typically speaking, very common for girls to have to maintain a relationship with that person as in text them all the time every day when they weren't on camp or like do like free private videos with them like you have to really build like a consistent relationship with these people this is less prevalent on OnlyFans because the the market's like really interestingly different this is like kind of a tangent which I'm excited to talk about so <laughs> do yeah. but like so when I was on when I was a camp girl it was like pretty well known that the way that you earn money is through competition. Like everything is visual in front of other men. Every, all the men is kind of like this. So it's like a whole bunch of people watching, like say for example, us cam. And if they tip us, everybody else can see that tip. And so the dynamic was highly competitive, which means like you all end up with the whales, like giving 80% of the income um, because only a few people can succeed so strongly. And I believed for a very long time that this is probably the optimal way to do sex work because like this generates like a lot of people trying to like fight each other like preys on the men competition urge but i i guess i didn't really understand that there's a lot of men for whom that market doesn't really work and only fans is tapping into that with only fans you don't get to see the other men and only fans is structured in a way to make it feel like you're getting private attention when very often you aren't like for example when a girl sends a mass dm you don't know that it's mass so it's very common for girls to be like, hey, are you up? I'm feeling kind of horny. Um, and you think that's for you, especially if it's a girl with like a lower subscriber count. So OnlyFans is like specifically designed to eliminate the competitive aspect to make you feel like you have a one-on-one. -on -one. And so this removes the amount of like whales you get. So my income right now is like, like distributed across my fans is like this when like with camming, it was like, <laughs> like yeah. that. And I think that this is really important for the success of OnlyFans. I think that this is why this is blowing up in such a way, because we, we've never had the ability for just like the everyman to have such an intimate connection with the girls before. Right, right. Yeah. Everyone feels like a whale. Is that better for you? Yeah. I was what, never like, good at handling whales. I hated doing the thing. I would just ignore people. And I think that really like hurt my potential income. But here it's like, I get to reply at my own time to the messages. I don't have to be too intimate and they're okay with that. It's great. Right. I'm going to be a super nerd right now. And like, there's this idea in business school called Porter's five forces, where it's like the more concentrated your any like counterparty is, whether it's like suppliers or buyers. So in this case, buyers, if you have like a small number of buyers that are most of your revenue, then it's like, you're in a worse negotiating position. So like mm -hmm. they would ask for stuff that you didn't really want to do. And you may feel like you had to, cause it was like 80% right. of your revenue. And then now that everyone's providing roughly an equal amount, any one customer it's just kind of fine that they don't have yeah. power. I'm so like not worried about losing Right. It's kind of democratizing for the guy side. It's kind of empowering because it means that even for a guy who can only cough up maybe $20 a month, they still get this feeling of personal attention. Whereas on, you know, a live streaming site, they would probably have to shell out 
hundreds and lots of money to be able to get personal attention. Right. And then there is one downside where OnlyFans is not very good at capturing whales. Like I've had whales from camming who like came over to OnlyFans and it's just like the amount of money that I get from them is almost nothing compared to what it used to be. Mm. So I, I think it would be cool to figure out a way to structure OnlyFans where you can maximize both, like a way to, yeah. I don't, I don't know how you would do like, that. Though. Like girls are leaving money on the table because there's whales that would probably pay a lot more if there was a way for them to do so. But right. OnlyFans as a product is sort of constrained in that manner. Right. Are there girls who are capitalizing on the whale effect through OnlyFans in some other way, like moving off platform or creating like a very personalized offering for a select subsegment of their users? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think to some extent this is everywhere. And and a lot of cam- girls will also do live camming on like a campsite in addition. But it, it's just, it's like, it's just like then you're camming again. And I think the total income most girls are getting from that is lower, even with the whales. Yeah. Got so it. You, it's probably best, better to spend your time doing OnlyFans. Right. I'm curious how this is maybe like a slight tangent, but I'm curious how top of funnel works. I, I guess Twitter probably for OnlyFans is a thing too. It seems like there's other platforms maybe. I don't know. Like, how does that work? Yeah. So OnlyFans, like I mentioned, does not advertise its own girls, which means that if you're a girl who signs up for OnlyFans, you are responsible 100% for your own marketing, which means that there are mass loads of girls who are migrating onto platforms. There's a lot of platforms which are like having to change their rules right now uh, in order to accommodate this like sudden influx of like everybody trying to market themselves. Um, the biggest one right now is Reddit. Most girls earn their subscribers from not safe for work subreddits on Reddit. If you go to any larger not safe for work subreddit and you see who's a top post right now, odds nine to one, she's gotten OnlyFans and the subs have had to respond. Like you'll probably see pinned posts and a lot of them saying, okay, here's our policy on OnlyFans girls. A lot of people just have stopped accepting sellers in general because the spam's pretty bad. It's become like very competitive and like pretty difficult to even get to the point where you can post on the bigger subreddits at all. The same is happening for like, there's FetLife, which there's like a lot of posts where people are like, what do we do about the OnlyFans girls? Um, Instagram and Twitter are also big. Girls are using TikTok a lot. I know some girls who use exclusively TikTok and seem to do okay. Yeah, for sure. It's it's really interesting how basically people are going to these other platforms and trying to utilize them for discovery and audience building because that doesn't exist on OnlyFans um, mm-hmm. as, as a product. And it feels like that, that is such a clear opportunity for them to be headed into. Like, people joke that Substack is essentially like a paywalled version of Twitter. Like Substack is how you monetize your Twitter followers. Mm-hmm. And it seems like for OnlyFans that there's a similar dynamic where people are rushing onto other platforms to market themselves when there's an opportunity probably for OnlyFans to take more of the economics if they did serve that discovery purpose. Yeah, I'm not sure because like OnlyFans is doing extremely well already without even advertising. They, they don't have to do anything because all of the users are just their foot soldiers getting yeah. the name out there. I'm curious, like where you think all of this is headed. So obviously it's the user base is growing tremendously. The creator base is growing tremendously. Everyone is sort of marketing their only fans. There seems to be a lot of, a lot of new creators joining the platform every month. Do you have concerns that it's going to become overly saturated and it's going to be harder and harder 
to really build a stable source of income on the platform in the future? So I'm not sure. I don't think that like the market forces are like actually that different here than in other places. I read a, like a long review by a dude somewhere on Reddit where he was explaining basically his experience on OnlyFans. And he said like he subscribed to a whole bunch of girls and he said the girls that like are actually worth it to subscribe to are the girls who were professionals before OnlyFans came up, like cam girls. He's like, they know how to post regularly. They know how to like be clear in their marketing. They know how to like take good photos. Like, and they actually treat it like a business and then you get what you pay for in that regard. And he said that like the mass influx, like a lot of people who are coming on to OnlyFans are people who don't know how to do this and are not worth it to subscribe to. So I think like with the popularity, we're seeing like a big influx of people who are not very good at OnlyFans and who are making a little bit of money. I think that if you are like very principled and good at marketing and you know how to run your own business, like you could probably, the composition is not that hard. Like I don't consider myself like un- like really crazily skilled or whatever, but I was making like $100,000 a month for a little bit. And it's, I'm just, <laughs> I don't even work that hard. Like I have ADD and I just like sit around like picking my nose a lot of the time. And so it's not that difficult because like a lot of people just don't even know the basics or they're, they're treating it as like, oh, I can just shake my ass and earn a lot of money. And that's like sort of like the messaging that's like being told into culture that like, oh, you just take off your clothes and the people throw money at you. And this is not true, even a little bit. Aside from like building your top of funnel and doing marketing, what are some of the other sort of business principles and strategies that you think separate the people who are being really successful versus those people who are rushing in thinking that they can just like upload a few nude pics and earn a ton of money? Like kind of obsession, obsessing over it is really good. Like a lot of girls will join telegram groups where you exchange like tips and tricks. Like so for a while there was a tip going around where if people subscribe to you and then they unsubscribe to you, you can follow them after they unsubscribe. And then they appear in the list of people you can send pay to views for. So this like, it was a, like a workaround to send your content to people who no longer were subscribed to you. This is like a, one example of one of the, the tricks. How girls are good at it. Yeah. Well, one, you have to have like a good brand. You have to have like a consistent and like legitimate and authentic brand. And not everybody's good at doing that. And you have to like be really good at appearing attractive like I've gotten, I got plastic surgery. I got a nose job specifically to increase my income on OnlyFans. Like I consider my body like an investment. So stuff like that. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. There's a playbook to being successful and there's real effort and strategies that people utilize. It's not just simply putting out any sort of content and expecting people to subscribe. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's like, it takes quite a bit of work. I, I think about it. I, I don't do a lot of work, but I think about it almost all the time. You said earlier that you run like a Telegram group and you, you the survey you ran of other OnlyFans creators. Can you tell me more about like how that group works? What kind of ideas y'all share? All that? Yeah. Well, so I, I'm like kind of a controversial figure online. And in some, I don't know if you are aware. <laughs> I Sometimes I treat things people don't like. So I got booted from a lot of other Telegram. Most uh, Telegram groups with full of girls are people who maybe have like very strong political opinions where if you have something that like slightly deviates, they they perceive you as somebody who's like hurting them in some way. Uh, so due to this, I was removed from some other groups. I was like, okay, fuck this. I want to make my own, like, like an actually like really good one. And I was making like a huge amount of money. I'm like one of the top girls in the Telegram chats. So I made my own. And it's, I think it's like a much better one. Like the people there tend to be like much more analytical than the kinds of people who, who were in the previous ones. 
but we basically just exchange information, like all sorts of information, like, hey, is anybody else having this glitch? Or like, hey, I figured out this trick or like, hey, I did this thing when I'm advertising and that resulted in a lot of subscribers or like, hey, this is like, I sh recently shared my, like you send it this and then you unsend and then send again. And that works really well. So I did a survey and the sample size is kind of low. I think it was like 110 or something because it's kind of hard to get OnlyFans girls to take surveys. But basically I was checking for correlations between income and like other strategies. And I was surprised to find that there are, are not very many correlations. But of course sample size is low, so it's possible that they are there, but I can't see them. But basically the only things that were correlated with higher income was posting on Reddit, which makes sense. Having more subscribers, which obviously makes sense and having a boyfriend mm. which is very strange it was like about it's like it was a really strong correlation or, or relatively it was the stronger a relationship you have with like marriage being like the strongest relationship the more likely you are to earn more and I don't understand that at all maybe it's because they're sort of like a built-in uh photographer videographer for the girls yeah, like the maybe? Instagram boyfriend like I feel like videos Oh yeah, that that makes more sense. Yeah, I feel like the really successful Instagram influencers also often have a significant other who's constantly taking pictures of them. That makes sense. Yeah. Last week, we had this really interesting discussion with a founder who's building tools for other types of creators like YouTube and, and TikTok creators. And he was describing how there's a huge culture of collaborations. People will appear on each other's channels, they'll do content together, and this is sort of a way to grow everyone's presence and following. I'm curious if that type of collab culture also exists on OnlyFans and how that sort of evidences itself. Yeah, this is actually like what I consider to be a, like a little bit bad on OnlyFans. So girls figured out that if they like exchange advertisements, they can gain fans from each other. And so this is now like a huge industry. I would say industry, except nobody's profiting from it, from except the girls who are doing it. And it, it's gotten pretty spammy. Like a lot of girls will just like spam their page with other girls because that that's like each ad you see on a girl's page means that she has an ad running somewhere else. And I think that this is overall maybe not a great way because you're probably losing subscribers that you aren't recognizing are leaving because of that. And you're only seeing the subscribers you're gaining. But some girls do like, okay, with this, a lot of girls will just straight out buy promo. So like pay a couple hundred dollars. Um, they can get pretty expensive up to like thousands. Hmm. Got it. So there's both swapping where there's no money being exchanged, but it's just an advertisement for each other as well as paid placements. Right. And this is, can I, can I make a, is it time for the business pitch? Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, I want someone to make this. I'm, I'm okay. currently, we'd love build, to hear it. I'm building something else for OnlyFans right now, but the thing that I'm not building, but I would build if I weren't building this, this, this thing is like really tough. So the way that girls are like finding and exchanging promo right now, there's a couple like requirements. You have to find girls who are similar to you, like in body shape, because that's most likely to gain subscribers who have similar pricing models also and have similar levels of explicitness. So you have requirements. It's really hard to see what a girl is like on her feed if you're not subscribed to her. So you have to go right. like get a, a free trial. And it, how do you find these girls? Well, they post manually images advertising what they do in Telegram groups. So you have to scroll and there's no search function. It's a fucking nightmare. It's awful. And then girls hire assistants um, to scroll through these and like manually check for the ones that might work and then contact wow. those girls and then arrange an exchange like through telegram it's awful and there's so much money being passed through this like between these girls um i mm -hmm. think that this would be great 
to build a couple of people have attempted to build promo sites but most of them aren't only fans targeted most of them are like you can do instagram twitter shout out whatever and then like also kind of only fans but you don't have the information required to know about the exchange in in the only fans section or there are only fans sections but they like aren't well marketed so i think if like somebody actually had the resources to put in good marketing it would be an incredible product yeah, that's yeah. so interesting. So like a, a marketplace to do sort of swaps of advertisements for each other. Yeah. Do you ever get approached by brands who also want to advertise on your feed? No, I'm a sex worker. <laughs> it would be interesting. <laughs> it feels like there's like some brands, like maybe 10% of brands for whom like they're, that's fine. They're all about that. And like, yeah, do you think advertising could be a model? I don't think I've ever seen a brand approach a sex worker to advertise ever. I was approached by an advertiser once who didn't know I was a sex worker. I mean, maybe it happens. I'm sure that this happens somewhere. Like maybe somebody's selling a vibrator. Oh wait, no, I was approached by uh, like years ago. Somebody was selling like a fake butt thing and then they oh. sent me a free one and right. gave me a referral link. But like, <laughs> but that's about as far as you get. People people stay away from the sex work industry really, really hard unless they're specifically marketing to the sex work industry. Yeah. Right. So that idea that you just mentioned, that is not the company the product that you're working on, right? Right. I'm working on an organizational tool because there's there's like the, the marketing for where you post items. Like if I have a photo, I, I don't remember where I've posted it. And a lot of um, places I posted it have like cross-posting rules. So it gets pretty complicated and difficult to track. So I have spreadsheets and stuff, but it's still not enough. Um, so mm. I'm building a tool right now to, to assist with that. You should build both because like the the creator swap marketplace the like network of that effect of that is like going to be really powerful, I think, because it's the value is proportionate to the amount of people on it. And then if you also had your like monthly fee SaaS organizational tool, they could complement each other nicely because one feels like really good for growth and the other one may be a little bit better for monetization. That's true. I might, I did, I was working on building it for a little while before I got bad brains. So I might, I might, <laughs> I just like release the idea in the wild. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be mad if somebody else builds it though. There's a lot of like founders, builders, engineers who are in attendance right now and who will probably listen to this later on. Are there other wish lists of products and tools that you wish existed for creators on OnlyFans? Yeah, the biggest, the the ham to bring home is advertising. So like girls are super stressed and spending a huge amount of time trying to get eyes on their page and subscribers and they would pay a big amount of money including like probably percentage of their income if you could provide them a flow of attention a lot of people have tried to make only fans review sites where you can like scroll through the girls and sort by like ratings but none of those have taken off for some reason maybe because girls don't want their page reviewed and some of them just go down i'm like i'm pretty confused why this doesn't exist already like a, like a really good directory I just imagine if I were OnlyFans, I wouldn't be incentivized because me not providing a directory means that people are getting it from outside. Like people are yeah. going to advertise for me. Like, and so if I make a directory that might like take a little bit of the energy out of the footwork that girls are doing. That's true. Well, in the last 10 minutes here, I'd love to have some audience Q and A. I really like Dan Shipper's question. Hi, thanks for, thanks for inviting me up. My basic question is there's this, there's a long history of the adult industry discovering innovations that later get mainstream adoption. And I was wondering like, if there are things that you see only fan creators doing now that more mainstream creators like will be doing in a couple of years. I can't think of strategies that only fans girls have that is not like directly impacted by the model. I could see possibly other 
platforms adopting the model that OnlyFans has mm-hmm. like like greater like control over exactly how and where you price things. But the strategies that girls have feels like directly related to the only it's like so connected to the model itself. And if the model changed, like the strategies would change. So I can't I can't really speak about the strategies. Yeah, I think listening to you talk, Ayla, I think the thing that strikes me um, the most about OnlyFans creators is just like the level of sophistication and thoughtfulness that goes into building a business. Like what products to offer to which consumers, how to price it, subscriptions versus free, what content to put behind the paywall versus what to give away for free, how to utilize other platforms for growth. I think it's a level of like business savvy that I don't commonly see among creators on other platforms. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think like other creators have a lot to learn from OnlyFans creators. Like we're all sort of monetizing in really naive, simplistic, like sort of blunt ways. Like we're just paywalling everything. And once a month there's a free post and that's like the extent to our monetization strategies. Or we, you know, write an ebook and we put that up for sale somewhere and that's it. But I think on OnlyFans, there's like so much nuance and like so many different levers that you can pull that people are are thinking much more strategically about it. Yeah, I think this seems like a like a system problem to me. Like on Substack, you don't have the ability to do more nuanced pricing. If you want to, you have to build your own website and like do your own thing, which is like a way bigger barrier to entry. I would not be surprised if if larger sites started integrating like the way that OnlyFans does pricing though, like allowing more specific things inside. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to read out some of these questions. So David asks, I'm curious what the long-term vision for the business side of things is for Ayla. Continue on OnlyFans, start her own paywall website, also being in the top 0.08%. Does she invest? Is there going to be a rolling fund in the future? (laughs) What does the future of the Ayla business look like? Um, I'm hoping to retire is the goal. (laughs) I'm also working on other projects. Like I'm starting to write a book, which hopefully will be like a much more detailed look into the way that this works and other things. I also run a company or I'm co-founder of Askhole, which is, it's like a small passion project. So basically I just want to like earn money through OnlyFans so that like in a couple of years I can retire. And then just like anything else that I earn after that, I'm just going to fund stuff I want to do. Love it. Micah's question. Sure. Uh, Thanks for your openness. I've learned a lot. Do you find that your engagement with your fans changes month over month or content piece to content piece? And how do you test that and continue to do the things that work best? Are you asking about like, do people start to respond differently to the same content? Yes. People get bored. That's really high churn. So you get to like there's a benefit in like on camming the churn was a lot lower here you get to reuse content more so that's pretty nice i think like it's nice to try and have story arcs this is something that i haven't seen anybody else do yet but i try very subtly to have some sort of like consistent narrative arc through what i'm doing so like right now i'm doing a thing where i learn how to do boy girl porn which like is actually what's going on because i haven't done a lot of boy girl porn before um so each like thing that I do is like okay this is what I'm learning this is what I'm going to like apply to the next time I do porn like watch me develop through this and like we'll see what the best thing at the end is so that's like an example of the way that I'm trying to like engage with users over time but besides that there's not a lot of active change 
I do, you can do polls though and find out what people like. Um, you can respond to like seeing how many people open a thing and like what their feedback is about that thing to, to know like what sort of content you should keep doing. Right. So it sounds like the like engagement one post to the next is like fairly consistent. Is mm -hmm. that, that's so interesting because on Substack it's like there's some massive hits and then a lot that are just like kind of okay. And there's this huge like power law in terms of like the returns you get from any mm. given, right? Yeah, here it's different. The, basically the thing that impacts my income most inside of OnlyFans is the wait, a market of video inside. So if I do a video, I will like post about it two days before and say, hey, I did this thing and maybe have a still. And then two days before I'll release a trailer and be like, I'm excited to release it. You know, so it's like this lead up and that does impact sales quite a bit. Yeah. Just a quick question that came up in the chat. How do you encourage retention? Are there specific tactics that you found that have worked well to get people to continue subscribing to you? There's, there are things you can do. So OnlyFans has the option of allowing only resub on as this category. So people who have resub turn on, that doesn't mean like a ton. It means that you have to do an extra thing if you want to stop being subscribed to me. But I promise rewards for people who do this. I often send things at a discount for people who have resub on, you know, free pictures that are surprises, stuff like that. Another thing is I I'm very personable on my OnlyFans. Like I talk about my life, like half of what I do on OnlyFans is not sexual. I looked at YouTube as an example of people who are like very successful without getting naked. Because like, in my opinion, like I don't need to just use my body. I want to use everything able to me to like turn me into something that people really enjoy watching. And a lot of this is like being open and vulnerable and personal about their lives. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take the tips from successful YouTube creators and apply them to OnlyFans. And I'm not like great at it. I'm not like a professional YouTube level quality or whatever, but it's very like consistent, just talking with the people and explaining what's going on and like what I'm feeling. And I think that this probably also encourages like attachment to me as a person. Like they're probably going to remember me and it's going to be a bigger thing in their mind. And I, I imagine this causes retention, although I don't have the numbers to know for sure about that. This kind of reminds me of the conversation we were having earlier about like collaboration with other creators. And I think a huge part of how that works on YouTube is you have groups of people where it's like the show friends, like, you know, the vlog squad or whatever, where you get to know different people are kind of different characters and you see them over time. Is there any equivalent to that on OnlyFans yet where there's like sort of a content house kind of a thing or like people that commonly collaborate with each other? So I don't think there's any, there might be houses if there are, I haven't heard of them. Girls are talking about making houses, but COVID is hard. Right. Um, and OnlyFans really only got big after COVID started. So a lot of girls do regular content together. Like I have a friend who lives nearby and a friend who often flies in and we pop up on each other's feeds a lot. So there are like clusters of friends that are like cross pollinate, but I don't think we've seen like the level of collaboration that we have on TikTok yet, for example. There's a couple of questions around this in the chat that I'd love to sort of combine, which is around like non-adult content on OnlyFans. Have you seen that category of non-adult content grow? And like, do you think that OnlyFans will be able to sort of branch out beyond its current association with adult content into becoming like a generalized platform for all sorts of premium content? I don't know. That's a really, I'm really not sure. I'm not like in communities that are non-sexual OnlyFans communities. Based from the outside vibe I get, I, I think that this is not as common uh, because OnlyFans is associated with porn. And a lot of people who are concerned about their brands don't want to, to be on a porn site. I think, I think it's good for business. Honestly, it's like kind of, you know, cheeky, like how 
uh, women's fashion sites sell vibrators now, like right among the clothes. I think it's kind of like that. Before we wrap, is there anything that you want to share that perhaps we haven't touched on or any sort of like parting thoughts or links that you want to plug for everyone here? If, if you want to build something for OnlyFans, I'm happy to serve as a consult on that. I would love to see more things built for OnlyFans creators. I think there's a lot of potential there. That's basically it, I think. But thank you for having me on. This was great. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for joining us. It was amazing. Thank you so much for being here and being so open and really sharing a lot of the nitty gritty of what it's like to be an OnlyFans creator. I think we all learn so much and I really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you so much for being here, Ayla. And thank you to all of the attendees for being here as well. Have a, have a nice weekend, everyone. Thank you so much. Bye.